Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes in a Nissan Pathfinder, search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around. A lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Attention, Bechtelcast listeners. We're going on tour. We really are. And it's not just any tour. It's a tour in the UK. And it's a tour where we are covering Titanic and Shrek. Brilliantly titled the Shrek-tanic tour. Yes. Uh, Shrek-tornic. We're <gasps> working on it. There's a couple There's a couple months before the tour. But yes, we are yes. really excited. We're currently doing five shows in the UK with more shows to be added. Stay tuned mm-hmm. at the end of May. Yes. Starting with two shows in London on May 22nd. One's at 6.30. That's a Shrek show. One at 9 p.m. That is a Titanic show. Then we are scooting over to Oxford on May 24th. We are covering Titanic. Okay. Then we're scooting up to Edinburgh on May 26th and doing Shrek. If you're a Scottish Titanic fan, you are going to have to commute. And I know (laughs) that that's not... But listen, yeah, you live in Edinburgh recovering Shrek. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but also you're welcome. And then if you do want to see Titanic somewhere nearby, you can head down to Manchester. We're doing a show on May 28th. And that's a Titanic show. So you're just going to want to come to kind of all of them if you live in the UK. If you live kind of anywhere in Europe or sort of just anywhere in the world. As your Bechtel cast allies in the US can attest to, our live shows are super fun. It is like a live episode plus a bunch of fun stuff. We dress up. We bring audience members on stage. Sometimes we do. It's just it's big and goofy and silly. And we're covering two of our favorite movies that are Bechtel cast canon. So mm-hmm. we want to have a good time. Uh, we'll be bringing exclusive merch. Yeah. And we will uh, be doing meet and greets before and after the show. We want to meet everybody. And we're really, really excited. And uh, tickets are already 
already going fast because we released it to matrons first plugging the patreon really quick little perk for the matrons yep so if you if you live in those areas get those dang tickets because these shows will sell out yes they will so head over to our link tree link tree slash bechtelcast all the tickets are posted there and like we said we're working on at least one more show in a different city so stay tuned we're hoping to announce that soon and otherwise grab your tickets for the shrek tannic tour and enjoy the episode <laughs> on the bechdel cast the questions asked if movies have women in them are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands or do they have individualism the patriarchy's effing vast Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Happy Valentine's, Jamie. No, Caitlin, I'm having an I hate Valentine's Day party. And guess what? It's at a restaurant where for some reason my party's double booked with a wedding reception. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, do you think they were going to put up a curtain or a partition between these two parties? No, the parties are facing each other for some reason. <laughs> well, sounds like a nice time. Wait, what is the name of the... God, my brain is going to be confetti today. <laughs> Romeo Midnight? That's the name of the DJ. Oh, the DJ. Gary Marshall's... Mm -hmm. Where he's like, hey, all you Los Angeles fuckers like who's ready to fuck it's valentine's day <laughs> you're like wow uh, welcome uh, to the valentine's day episode a day earlier than normal normally we release episodes on thursdays but it's yeah. a special day today's wednesday and you're getting a valentine's day episode early on the movie valentine's, valentine's day. day good lord i feel like this has to be the last contemporary movie like this right the last gary marshall thinking think. that he's gonna re i mean and may he rest in peace he mm. made some good stuff not this but not in the past well he's dead decade and a half <laughs> well i mean to be fair caitlin he's been dead for eight of those years <laughs> well sure god has asked though <laughs> no i mean i love gary marshall i mean for crying out loud the man directed the princess diaries like uh -huh. let's be serious and you can tell he directed the princess diaries because there's three princess diaries cast members in this movie wait obviously anne hathaway but who joe hector elizondo oh yeah joe just joe and this one is harder uh -huh. but paolo putinesca is also in this movie Oh, he's at the Southwest gate at the airport being like, this counters for oversized luggage only. Yeah. I mean, say what uh -huh. you will about Gary Marshall, including he's a legend and he's dead. <laughs> but, and uh -huh. he's loyal to his character <laughs> actors. Uh -huh. He also made happy days. You know, it's like late Gary Marshall, for some reason, he spent the last years of his career trying to re-alchemize Love actually. Love actually. Yes. He did. And I'm realizing, Caitlin, unfortunately, there is one more that we have. It's not with this many cast members, but mm -hmm. there is a Gary Marshall movie called Mother's Day. <gasps> well, that was, I believe, his last film credit. Uh -huh. Brutal. I guess we've got something we have to cover in May. Anyways, any so to be clear... We are fans of these movies because they are some of the most fun episodes. Because we've already covered New Year's Eve. Yes. The Gary Marshall ensemble cast movie from 20... 
11. Right? Yeah. And then we've also covered Princess Diaries. That might have been the only other Gary Marshall movie we've covered. Because we have not done Pretty Woman yet. No. Oh, he also has Pretty Woman loyalty in this. Julia Roberts is in the movie. I would say Julia Roberts is perhaps doing him a favor. God, <laughs> so many late twists in this movie. I can't wait. I was writing down all of the twists at the end where you're like, the twist is Bradley Cooper is gay. The twist is Julia Roberts is not dead. The twist is that the kid was in love with Jennifer Garner. Like you're just like every twist. Mm-hmm. More baffling than the last. Yeah. Oh, also Gary Marshall directed Overboard, which we haven't covered. We have not covered. We have covered Runaway Bride, which we have. he directed. Did he also not direct A League of Their Own, which we have covered? No, that is a Penny Marshall movie. Oh, yes. oh silly me. How dare I? Wow. Erasing women's work. <laughs> Classic Caitlin Durante. No, I mean, which is another cool element of Gary Marshall. Maybe the coolest thing about him is that he is Penny Marshall's brother. And mm-hmm. we love Penny Marshall. Mm-hmm. Anyways, like, you know, part of a Hollywood dynasty has directed a lot of great stuff. And also this movie that we're covering <laughs> today. I would be really curious, like, outside of trying to realchemize, like, make American love actually over and over, like, what the motivation is. Maybe at, at some point in your career... If you're getting older, you just want to like have fun and Mm -hmm. hang out with all of your cool Hollywood friends and the quality is not as important. I don't know. I'm like kind of unbothered. I'm bothered by a lot of specific things in this movie. Mm -hmm. Conceptually, I do think that right now, now more than ever, Mm -hmm. there is a desire for smooth brained entertainment of this ilk Yeah, because life is hard. Life is so hard and we need an escape. But also watching this movie is hard. (laughs) So it's challenging. Oh, should we explain what the Bechdel test is? I guess. All right. All right. All right. We'll tell you what the show is. You win. Also, my name is Jamie. And my name is Caitlin. And this is the Bechdel cast where we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechdel test as a jumping off point. But Jamie, what is that? Well, the Bechtel test is a media metric created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechtel, often called the Bechtel-Wallace test due to it being created with Liz Wallace. It was originally put into Bechtel's comic strip Dykes to Watch Out For. It has since become kind of an iconic media metric that has been used in a lot of things, including this show. Mm-hmm. Sometimes at the end of every episode, we use it as a jumping off point for discussion to yeah. talk about larger intersectional issues in, today inside of the movie Valentine's Day. I will say, you know, just leading with this, that this movie does pass the Bechtel test. It does. The ways in which it passes are really weird. (laughs) Sometimes between Anne Hathaway and Queen Latifah talking about sports marketing. Uh That's such a rom-com thing. Sports marketing. You're just like, what? Uh Okay. Okay. Yes. What is your history with Valentine's Day Gary Marshall 2010? You'll never believe this, but I had seen this movie before. I don't know what on earth would have ever compelled me to watch it. Okay. I think it might have been because people were just, they were up in arms about the Taylor Lautner and Taylor Swift of it all. 
that's the main thing I remember from this was that <laughs> unbelievably effective marketing. Yes, but that still wouldn't have compelled me to watch this movie because like, I like Taylor Swift. I think she's talented, but I'm also like, I wouldn't call myself a Swifty. I'm not yeah. enough of a fan to really engage with her music that much. So that wouldn't even been it. Like, I don't know why on earth I would have ever watched this movie, but I did. But I didn't even know that until I started prepping for this episode. I was like, wow, all of this is familiar. I apparently watched this within the past three years. Why, though? Why did I do that? We'll never know. Why did you do that? Were you getting ready for your I Hate Valentine's Day party? Sorry. <laughs> there, of the many, like, hysterically baffling phrases that this script turns out, there's so many good ones. Mm -hmm. The I Hate Valentine's Day party is one of my favorite ones because it's just like clunky 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 and people keep yeah. saying are you going to the i hate valentine's day party it's no uh i'm gay and i'm gonna play <laughs> that's a pretty iconic line that happens in this movie it sure does i mean talk about trailblazing mm -hmm. i'm gay and i'm gonna play i had an explosion of emotion <laughs> when he said i'm gay and i'm gonna play so you had seen uh -huh. this movie I really had. More than once? Just that one time. Okay. And now twice more to prep for this episode. Love it. And I don't like that that's true about me. What is your relationship with this movie? I didn't see this movie. I was kind of surprised because I was in high school when this movie came out. Like, theoretically, I could have seen it. But I think I got, I remember specifically seeing... He's just not that into you, which is this same formula of a million yeah. storylines that we have covered. And I think after I saw that, I was like, I'm good on this format. And I just did not go mm -hmm. to see this movie. Fair. The thing I also remember about this movie was the Taylor Taylor marketing. Yes. Which makes sense because they kind of are the big millennial draw of this movie. It, like most of this cast appeals to gen x if not boomers mm -hmm. with the casting so it's like we had the taylors if you weren't hooked by the taylors maybe ashton kutcher would have brought you in if you were a younger but even then it was like topher grace and ashton kutcher like that 70s show had kind of come and gone at that point i think it was over well definitely but when i was in high school i was watching that 70s show so if you're mm -hmm. if you're an elder millennial such as myself maybe you would show up for that i would have maybe shown up for them you have you know a lot of 2000s fixtures you have mcdreamy mm -hmm. you have jessica alba you have jessica beale I'm just going to read off the cast really quick, just so. And are you comfortable with? I'm not going to know what the character names are. No, I. Okay. I did what I did last time for the New Good. Year's Eve episode. I'm using strictly actors' names and zero characters' names. Although I am going to toss some of the names out because they are the most rom comified gobbledygook ever. Jessica Alba as Morley Clarkson. You're like, <laughs> what is her? Yeah, sorry about Morley Clarkson. And sorry to all our Morley Clarkson listeners out there, but that name <laughs> is very fake. We have one million Morley Clarksons who just unsubscribed. They're like, how dare you? Not all Morleys <laughs> would <laughs> break up with Ashton Kutcher. Uh, okay, Jessica Alba, Kathy Bates, Jessica Biel, Bradley Cooper, Eric Dane. I don't remember who that is, but he's gay and he's going to play. Wait, we just covered a movie that he was in. He's in burlesque 
that we covered on the Matreon. I didn't know who he was then. I don't know who he is now. With all due respect to him, I guess he's on Euphoria, which I haven't watched. Oh, he's, I think, Jacob Ellerty's dad. We love that for him. Yeah, I've only seen one and a half episodes of that show. And then I was like, this hurts my feelings. I have to stop. I just simply didn't watch it. And if that makes me old, I don't want to be young. (laughs) Anyways, in this movie, Eric Dane's gay and he's going to play. Uh, then we have Patrick Dempsey, Hector Elizondo, a.k.a. Joe from Princess Diaries, Jamie Foxx, Jennifer Garner, Topher Grace, Anne Hathaway, Ashton Kutcher, Queen Latifah, Taylor Lautner, George Lopez, Shirley MacLaine. Really confusing. Assuming she was doing him a favor. Assuming they've worked together before. Emma Roberts, Julia Roberts, and Taylor Swift. Wow. 5,000 people yes it's one of those movies and we don't like love actually no (laughs) and this is like i don't know at least this one is like so smooth brain that i'm like well i don't know (laughs) love actually whether you like it or not at least it's like mostly coherent this movie is not yeah i mean i just i just love how incoherent this movie is i'm gonna give it five nipples no matter what (laughs) And I'm going to give a negative five just to counteract that. Oh, so much of this, they open with Morley Clarkson. Well, I guess, should we should we get into it? Yeah. Before you start the recap, I did just whatever. If you're listening, you know the format of these movies. You see little vignette. Every scene is 45 seconds long. Mm-hmm. And something really dramatic happens in 45 seconds. And then they keep it pushing. Yeah. But like... In this one, it's the first three scenes you see are, I believe, three white hetero couples in bed and something important happens while the man is standing up and the woman is lying down. Oh, I didn't even. There's no variety. There's no variety in what is happening in these scenes. The second time I watched this movie, I was kind of only just listening to the dialogue and not actually looking at my screen because this movie is so visually uninteresting and it doesn't really matter what's taking place on screen because it's just like although sometimes there's good stuff though like every time they show the taylor swift bear which looks to me not to but like it looks like i don't know why i kept writing down like horcrux bear like it just looks like something is something evil is inside of it Uh and then they do this like at the end of the incredible storyline between the taylors they end it with like this lingering shot on the bear and it just kind of felt like Mithrigan to me. Mm-hmm. Lautner's got cameras in the bear. I'm calling it. I don't know when this movie's coming out, but there's that movie Imaginary. Okay, there are two movies coming out this year that are both about imaginary friends. One is like an animated movie for like children. Okay. And one is a horror movie where a little girl has a little stuffed bear who her like demon spirit imaginary friend lives inside and he like makes her do evil things. And so it's kind of like that. Now we're talking. I love that shit. That's <laughs> I think that that is the energy I was getting from the Taylor Lauder Taylor Swift bear and also from the Taylor Lauder Taylor Swift relationship in general, which it's so like I'll go this is one of our goofy episodes that we do every year. I'm going to go ahead and plug one of my favorite podcasts, Who Weekly, mm-hmm. and also Less Culturistas, where they mm-hmm. both discussed the recent resurgence of Taylor Taylor, because now Taylor Lautner, I've said it many times on the 
show he bought around at the cha-cha lounge once that's not something you know someone who's doing well would do mm-hmm. or it's someone who's doing great <laughs> here's the thing though would you i was talking about this with friend of the show melissa lozada oliva last night when you buy a round for the bar at the cha-cha lounge on a wednesday you have effectively spent 36 dollars. so are you doing great you know um... it's not the baller move it's it, it seems to be <laughs> Anyways, all love to Taylor Lautner, but it's so wild because like Taylor Swift is 40 times more famous than she was when she was in this movie and she was already really famous. Yeah. And now Taylor Lautner like did a backflip at a screening of the Taylor Swift concert movie recently. (laughs) Wow. Have you seen that video? No, I haven't. It's kind of awesome. It like, I mean, all shade aside, Taylor Lautner is a very funny he seems like a good sport but like why did he go to the amc and do a backflip oh he did it at the amc he did it just like around civilians (laughs) (laughs) he just like went to burbank and did a Uh backflip and also everyone was like oh the taylor taylor relationship is even in the blooper reel and for some reason i know it's come up on this show before taylor lautner married a woman named taylor the taylor's lautner oh that's right so he just seems, I don't know, he seems maybe lovely, but also like, what's going on with that guy? He did a backflip at the AFC. That's all I'll say. Yeah. That's the like varying levels of fame that they're at these days. She's at like billionaire global pop star getting regularly rightfully criticized for her carbon footprint famous. Mm. Taylor Lautner, meanwhile, backflip at the AFC Burbank. Awesome. <laughs> And let's not forget the crime he committed by, in five Twilight movies, playing an indigenous character when he yes. is not indigenous. Yes. I mean, I I also still mainly blame the production for that because he was like a teenager when he started doing this. Sure, yeah. Many mistakes were made. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's take a quick break and then come back for the recap. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. What does it take to run a small business? Heart, smarts, and the nerve to risk it all in the face of adversity. Listen to The Unshakables, the new podcast now available from Chase for Business and iHeart. It features real stories from real small business owners who take you through the turmoil, triumphs, and quick turns that help their businesses break through. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. 
Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Copyright 2024. J.P. Morgan Chase and Company. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And we're back. I am curious if, I don't know if Taylor Lautner has ever commented on being cast as a mm. an indigenous character down the line, because I do feel like he has a responsibility to... Yeah, you know, comment on it at some point. You know, when you're a teenager, it's like okay, the adults in the room need to make the right decision right. and not cast him. But I just wonder. I don't know. Yeah, I will have to look into that. Mm. In any case, here is the recap for the movie Valentine's Day. Like I mentioned, I will be referring to the characters as their actors' names because there are. 1,000 characters and zero of them are memorable. So yay! I'll be using the actors' names. Okay, so the story takes place in Los Angeles. Ever heard of it? Oh, yeah. And guess what day it is? Oh, they won't stop reminding <laughs> It's Valentine's Day. First, we meet Ashton Kutcher. He proposes to his girlfriend, Jessica Alba, and she says yes. And then he's like, wee. Yeah, this is the first scene where a uh, woman in the bed, mm-hmm. guy out of the bed, 45 second scene, something critical happens. The baffling mm-hmm. part of this scene is that Jessica Alba has like perfect hair that is down when she wakes up. And makeup. Perfect. Just everything. She's stunning. I mean, God bless. I would like to live in this world. Yeah. So... Ashton Kutcher is so excited to be engaged. Also, he's a florist. Yes, he goes to work. He's a florist. His colleague is George Lopez, and they're doing flower stuff. George Lopez, iconically, is an authority on love and the poetry of Rumi in this movie. And he also is constantly referencing this wife that he's in love with who never speaks. Mm -hmm. At the very end, she does appear Correct. But for most of the movie, it again, just if we're reframing this as a horror movie, I'm like, I don't necessarily think this wife exists. Mm. And if she does, I don't know that she's alive. Imaginary friend, more like imaginary wife. Where's that movie? Probably on Tubi. That movie is called The Joker. (laughs) (laughs) Got their ass. Oh, I liked it. Okay, so then we meet Jamie Foxx. He's a sports journalist at a local news station, and his boss, Kathy Bates, 
wants him to cover Valentine's Day stories, even though that's not his job. Kathy Bates was available for 45 minutes to shoot this <laughs> movie. She is in two scenes that are in yep. the exact same location. Awesome. Yeah, so cool. So Jamie Foxx goes to the flower market and ends up interviewing Ashton Kutcher. Sure. Yes. Not before something racist happens, but we'll get back to that. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah. Then we meet Patrick Dempsey. He is a doctor, not unlike his job on Grey's Anatomy, right? I've never seen that show. Yeah. They were not pushing him on this. <laughs> uh, he is dating Jennifer Garner. But he can't spend Valentine's Day with her because he has to fly to San Francisco for a surgery or something. Mm -hmm. Then we meet Topher Grace and Anne Hathaway. Uh -huh. Another, there you wake up in bed together. Yes. Oh, wait, I forgot to say the interesting thing about this scene with Patrick Dempsey and Jennifer Garner is that she is eating an apple in bed first thing in the morning. Well, that's to set up an amazing metaphor. Jamie, tell me if you can understand this visual metaphor. I was hoping that this would come <laughs> up organically. Please. Yes, here we go. So in a number of scenes, we see Patrick Dempsey's character juggling pieces of fruit. And it's to symbolize uh -huh. the fact that his character is also juggling two different relationships. Do you understand? I think it's really important that they get the metaphor across <laughs> exclusively by comparing women to objects. To pieces of fruit. At least, you know, beautiful, organic objects. <laughs> the metaphor was not lost on me. And also the stark visual of a woman eating an apple in bed at seven in the morning. Mm -hmm. My gums would be gushing. It would be... <laughs> It'd be a bloodbath. So I just, I love, I love movie. I love the movie. No one has gum disease in, in movie. No, but they're too hot. They're too sexy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we meet Topher Grace and Anne Hathaway. We find out later that they've been dating for a couple weeks. The weird thing she's doing is taking Polaroid pictures of him in bed like a serial killer. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, they're smooching. But then she has to leave in a big hurry because, surprise, she is a phone sex operator who needs to take a call. But she also has several other jobs. I mean, this is like contextualized in the story. But yeah. just the way it's written. And I get like this movie came out during the recession. It was like badly written, timely commentary on... Mm -hmm like millennials trying to be adults in the world but it's hard <laughs> she's just like sneaking out of her job at queen latifah world to mm -hmm. loudly take the phone sex operator calls and i'm just like this is just not how it would go surely there's a break room she's like in front of queen latifah's door yes i have a list of just like what the fuck okay things that happen in this movie and that is on my list i will perfect go over the list later on love it but yes <laughs> none of that makes sense not slick no so then we meet shirley mclean and hector elizondo they have been married for many years they have a young grandson 
who goes to Ashton Kutcher's flower shop to order roses for the girl at school who he's in love with. Then we meet Julia Roberts and Bradley Cooper. They are strangers sitting on a plane next to each other headed to LA. She is in the military, also is having a difficult time believing that Julia Roberts would play a military person. Which I don't doubt her acting ability, but she just does look like Julia Roberts. (laughs) (laughs) And I really loved, I mean we're supposed to be thinking that Bradley and Julia are going to get together for the whole movie. And then Mm -hmm. there's a twist at the end, but yeah, I have written down, thank you for serving Julia Roberts. And I also really like, there's like this scene between them where she's like, I'm in the military. So I can tell that you have trouble committing because you don't like heart shaped candy. I was like, do they teach that in army? (laughs) she's i think it's implied that she is in some kind of like special forces yeah it seems like she's doing war crimes (laughs) and she's like listen the first thing you learn in navy seals basic training is what bradley cooper looks like when he's having trouble committing it's so bizarre i love it (laughs) anyway we learn that she's on a 14-hour flight from wherever she's coming from. I think that they keep it intentionally vague. Super vague. To not imply her in any specific war crimes. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so she's on this 14-hour flight to spend only one day with her loved one, whoever that might be. Bradley Cooper assumes they're fucking. Yes. Bradley Cooper makes all sorts of assumptions. For sure. And I'll talk more about that later. But anyway... We get all that information. Then we cut back to Jennifer Garner and Ashton Kutcher. They're best friends. Ugh, exhausting. He encourages her to surprise Patrick Dempsey in San Francisco. But this is when we learn that he was lying about going to San Francisco. And he actually has a wife and a kid, which Jennifer Garner does not know about. He's a dog. Yes. Back to Anne Hathaway. So when she's not doing phone sex work, she works for Queen Latifah, who is a sports agent who reps a football player, Eric Dane, whose career seems like it's on the decline. People are like, is he going to retire? They keep calling him old. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they're trying to make him like tom brady coded oh yeah but maybe that wasn't true in 2010 whatever a football player who people speculate his career is almost over but the twist is he's gay and he's gonna play he's gay and he's gonna (laughs) play (laughs) yeah i just love that line wow so queen latifah and eric dane get together for a meeting along with his publicist jessica beale So Jessica has entered the chat. And she is a mess. She's so neurotic. (laughs) We need to get her to a hospital. This is like a really great, just so bananas over the top, manic pixie dream girl taken to an extreme Mm -hmm. that it does seem like she's not well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Then we meet Emma Roberts. She is a high school student who plans to have sex for the first time with her boyfriend during their lunch period. Awesome Kristen Shaw appearance uh-huh. where 
Kristen Shaw plays a teacher and Emma Roberts is like, I'm going to go fuck right now. And Kristen Shaw's like, oh, and that's sort of the scene. I enjoyed that jump scare. I thought Mm -hmm. it was fun. Also, Emma Roberts is being like peak 2010 in this movie by only wearing really uncomfortable looking ballet flats in every single scene. Oh, true. Yeah. Where it's like the kind of shoes where you can see the knuckles of your toes. Oh, nasty anyways oh, i was also wearing those in 2010 so. we all were we were all flat-footed barbies <laughs> back then okay so also at this high school are taylor swift and taylor lautner they are dating he has bought her an enormous teddy bear that's haunted that might have an evil demon living inside of it yes her crux bear yes Then Emma Roberts' boyfriend goes to her house to prepare for their sex that they're going to have, and he takes off his clothes, but Emma Roberts' mom comes home and catches him naked, so he runs outside, still naked, and we're like, ha-ha, awesome comedy. Meanwhile, Ashton is so annoying. excited about being engaged. <laughs> He's so annoying. Jessica Alba, however, his fiance, she's not as excited and he doesn't seem to notice. Anyway, I mean, honestly, fair, like <laughs> not to go back to their first scene together. But again, he wakes her up. She's perfect because it's a movie. She's perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the first thing she says, hi, and then he launches in and says, when I was a kid, most of the advice my dad gave me was crap. I was like, if you as my boyfriend are starting the day with that. No. (laughs) Like, good morning would be awesome. And then he proposes and we don't see her actually say yes. It almost seems like he just shoves the ring on her finger and assumes the answer is yes. Right. Which at least is sort of commented on later when she dumps his ass. But I just do like this is like a place where like love actually actually does feel like way better paced. But Mm -hmm. because so many scenes have to happen, it does feel like there is like a bomb in the room that will go off after 75 seconds if they don't get all the the stuff out like some of this needs to move so it for a movie where like nothing interesting happens it's really hard to watch these movies because so much is happening like you cannot look away and they're two hours long so it's and you cast 40 people (laughs) right exactly okay so Patrick Dempsey goes to Ashton Kutcher's flower shop to buy flowers for both his wife, his wife, mm-hmm. and his secret girlfriend, Jennifer Garner. And Ashton Kutcher is thinking to himself, hang on, that's my friend, Jennifer Garner, which means my friend's boyfriend is secretly married. So he goes to Jennifer Garner's work. She's an elementary school teacher to try to tell her that her boyfriend is secretly married, but he doesn't get a chance to tell her. She still doesn't know. Then Ashton goes home to his lady love, Jessica Alba, to leave a Valentine's Day gift, but he discovers that she's about to leave him. All of her stuff is packed up and she breaks up with him. And even his dog doesn't love him. (laughs) It's kind of awesome. (laughs) Brutal. Uh, And he's like, damn, well, I better go stop Jennifer Garner from getting on that plane to San Francisco. 
So he rushes to the airport. We get an extremely rom-com cliche running through the airport. But this time it's not to stop the love of his life. It's to stop a friend. And we're like, wow, subversive. But actually, I think the weirdest part of that scene is that like, it's such a well-worn trope that I was like conditioning myself to be like, oh, wow, the movie's almost over. And then you look at the runtime, you're like, it is like we're less than halfway in at the airport. (laughs) run seriously i was like overwhelmed with such relief and then dread (laughs) that whole scene is so long we do get paolo putinesca at least true yes anyway so he does tell her that her boyfriend is married but jennifer garner refuses to believe it and she gets on the plane anyway question mark i have a lot of questions about that because the next time we see her she's in la i was so confused i was like did she get off at san francisco but then you could hear a nurse clearly say also a very funny bad line hello you've reached los angeles hospital and so you're like not a real place well i guess they are in la i would love to reach los angeles hospital (laughs) (laughs) yes okay so none of that made sense either jamie fox goes and tries to get an exclusive on Eric Dane, the football player, from Jessica Beale, who mm-hmm. is upset because she's single and she feels all alone. First of all, she's on the floor and he's like, is she good? And they're like, well, she's usually fine on the 4th of July and even St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> but on Valentine's Day, she is sad. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> she like looks dead. Right. <laughs> and then they fall in love and you're like, Great. you're like, sure. But anyway, so yeah, she's upset not only because she's single and she feels lonely, but also no one has RSVP'd to her I hate Valentine's Day party. Which she's throwing at an Indian restaurant at the same time as a wedding reception, which I'm just like, we've got to call the restaurant (laughs) because you do have to pick one of those events. Yeah. And it's the wedding because no one's coming to Jessica Beale's I hate Valentine's Day party. But then everyone shows up. It's ridiculous. Including 20 people we've never met before. <laughs> like majority <laughs> characters we do not know. Yes. Anyway, she's like, I hate Valentine's Day. And Jamie Foxx is also like, I hate Valentine's Day. I wish I could just sports all day long. <laughs> And she's like, I wish I could sports all day long, but I also crave love. And he's like, okay. And then there's a big pratfall with a bunch of chocolates. (laughs) Yes. Disaster. Oh, anyway, he leaves. And then Eric Dane, the football player, comes out as gay at a press conference. But what does he say? He's like, (laughs) I'm gay and I'm going to (laughs) play. What a win. Well, because everyone's like, Congratulations, good for you. But are you retiring? Like, that's what this press conference Uh, was supposed to be about. Yeah, he does come out instead of answering a question. But then he expands because he's gay and he's going to play. And I mean, as goofy as that scene is, I was like, okay, 2010, not bad. You know, know, gay marriage was not legal in many places at the time when this movie came out and was tremendously successful. So can we chalk that legislation eventually passing up to Eric Dane saying, I'm gay and I'm going to play? I think we obviously can. I think that it's certainly a big part. I don't know. Any inclusion in this movie is like very 
bare bones 2010s. I mean, that's what most of my notes are about because it's abysmal. Yeah, I'm sure that we have <laughs> identical notes. But uh, <laughs> yeah. never forget that he is gay and he's gonna play. Wow. But will we let him kiss on screen? We no, will not. we won't. No. Anyway, so then Topher Grace takes Anne Hathaway to a Valentine's dinner where he discovers that she's a phone sex worker. And he's like, ooh, yucky. Bye forever. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> uh-huh. Then Taylor Swift and Taylor Lautner are at gym class or track practice. We're not really sure. Being interviewed by a reporter. Uh, My boyfriend at this point of the movie got very critical of a specific background actor who I then (laughs) could not stop looking at. Not the reporter, the guy holding the camera, Mm. where just like based on his energy, (laughs) it's just like so obviously not a real camera and not on. Like it's not really (laughs) pointing at anybody. Uh And he's sort of like slouching over. And I celebrate that background actor. I love that. It's like when a movie where someone like takes a sip from a mug that's clearly empty and they like don't. (laughs) The mechanics and physicality of drinking are like just. (laughs) There's a couple moments in this movie where it's like, I don't think we've brought this up in an episode in a while, but the sort of like character with one line energy where it's very like sad card, please. There's a couple Mm -hmm. characters in here that have huge sad card please energy about them and i love it yeah the security guard at the airport yes. who's like hi i'm a security guard <laughs> you're just like <laughs> give her her sad card <laughs> she's like put your shoes on ashton kutcher it's gross here <laughs> great yeah. but yeah so it's i unfortunately know exactly enough about taylor swift to know that a lot of what they're saying in this scene where nothing happens is like references to 2010 era Taylor Swift and Taylor Lautner where it's like Mm -hmm. my favorite number is 13 I would never take off my shirt like okay okay so then Shirley MacLaine reveals to her husband Hector Mm -hmm. Elizondo that she had an affair with his business partner some years ago and also in this movie she's Shirley MacLaine it appears to be that she is, yeah, she's just playing herself. But she's named Estelle. Mm-hmm. But she's actually, because later they go to Hollywood forever and they see a Shirley MacLaine movie and he's like, that's my wife. <laughs> right. Literally. Do you know what movie that was? No, I don't. I didn't either. So he's upset and he's, you know, discovered that his wife, Shirley MacLaine, was unfaithful. He's straight and he's not going to play. <laughs> exactly (laughs) so he goes to hollywood forever cemetery by himself for any non-la listeners that's a place that's a real cemetery but they do a bunch of movie screenings so he goes to watch a movie there that his wife shirley mclean is in so they're like watching a movie from I don't know, the 50s or 60s. I guess the 60s, yes. And I wanted to figure out, I meant to, and then I apologize to our listeners. I did not remember to follow through on this because I was like, it looked like the scene that they eventually kiss in front of where Shirley, a younger Shirley MacLaine is kissing another actor. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like it was like a really happy scene. Yeah. <laughs> like it seemed like a sad goodbye kiss, <laughs> not like a... I'm getting back together with Joe from The Princess Diaries. True, but that is what happens because Shirley MacLaine comes to the cemetery to find him and then she's like, 
I'm sorry, but if you love me, you have to love all the parts of me, even the cheater parts. And he's like, you're right. Okay. That, I mean, what a mess. It's like, first of all, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. You had sex with his best friend. He doesn't have to forgive you. And he's like, yes, I do. I was wrong. You're like, when did, when were you wrong? I mean, I understand that she, let's take this story really seriously. <laughs> I was just struggling with it because it was like, okay, she said that she was lonely and that he was away a lot. Mm-hmm. And I understand that that like level of spousal neglect will sometimes lead to infidelity, right? Mm-hmm. But like, does he have to forgive her six hours later? good question or ever and also the fact that Topher Grace seems to think that that is like a one-to-one with his situation which is completely different and he is very much the villain of yes anyways I liked the cape that Shirley MacLaine wears to her own movie (laughs) if I was a movie star I would show up in a cape to my movies also and be really disruptive. Yeah, everyone's like down in front and she's like, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to kiss my husband. I think it's so weird that he just went ahead and said he's married to Shirley MacLaine. And then she's (laughs) like, hi, I'm Estelle. (laughs) Anyway, well, they kiss and make up. So everything's fine there. And then Topher Grace sees this and he realizes that he judged Anne Hathaway and her job too harshly he sure did meanwhile jennifer garner gets confirmation that her boyfriend patrick dempsey is married yeah she goes to los angeles hospital in san francisco in san francisco (laughs) i know does she i guess she just doesn't get on the plane and we're never told but we see her go into the doorway to get onto the plane i know She just got off on the tarmac and walked home. I don't understand. And then he said he was going to do heart surgery in San Francisco. I don't know. I don't know any heart surgeons. Mm -mm. And there's also like a weird line he has at the beginning where he's like, you know, doctors, we're always traveling. I was like, that's not really the first thing I think of when I think about doctors. Right. Anyways, I don't know what city she's in. Mm-mm. but her boyfriend does have a wife yeah and she finds out where he's having dinner with his wife oh yeah another great fake name for something it's like pp gardens or something bistro <laughs> gardens you're just like that's words yep <laughs> taking the wife out to pp gardens for our 15th anniversary <laughs> Anyway, so Jennifer Garner goes to this restaurant and pretends to be the server and she calls him out for being a two-timing cheater. And he's like, oh no. And then his wife is like, what's going on? That, yeah, another very like weird, I mean, it's like if Jennifer Garner can't make something charming, then you're in trouble. (laughs) But it's such a weird scene where she's talking about like killing a pig or something. Mm -hmm. We get it. We get it. Sure. Dinner at PP Gardens ruined. (laughs) Yeah. Then Jennifer Garner goes to Jessica Biel's I Hate Valentine's Day party where the little boy from earlier shows up and professes his love for Jennifer Garner. I hate this twist because we've been led to believe. And first of all, I'm like, why am I invested in this nine-year-old's love life? They're clearly trying to replicate the little boy from Love Actually and his storyline where he loves one of his classmates. Mm -hmm. So we think that same thing is happening here. But no, no, no. The twist is 
he's in love with his adult teacher and i feel like it's almost implied that he's in love with her because he misses his mom who ends up being julia roberts which it's like you could examine that dynamic in a movie that's not this movie where it's like (laughs) he's because it's like whatever kids get confused all this stuff Mm -hmm. at least she doesn't say anything really creepy like i was expecting her to like one of those like call me in 10 years you're like anytime someone says that to like an eight-year-old in a movie you're like don't call her in 10 years yeah but that sequence of events was really fun because these movies so desperately need every character to be tangentially connected to someone else Mm -hmm. that like Emma Roberts, not for nothing, worst babysitter in the history of babysitters. <laughs> mm-hmm. The kid gets kidnapped twice <laughs> under her view because the kid makes his teacher realize that she's in love with Ashton Kutcher. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to Jennifer Garner, Ashton Kutcher has just technically kidnapped this kid yeah. and driven him to the restaurant, mm-hmm. which obviously this kid is not at risk for a stranger danger. Apparently <laughs> he's like, I've met this florist. He could give me a ride. And then Emma Roberts sees him and thinks he's being abducted, which he kind of is. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, don't worry. I'm a florist. And you're like, what? And meanwhile, his grandparents are too busy kissing at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery to notice that he's missing. Well, in their defense, they did hire a babysitter. She just is too horny to (laughs) babysit. Yeah. They did hire Emma Roberts, but she Uh, was so focused on fucking her boyfriend at lunch. Her boyfriend, who's the delivery driver at the restaurant where the I Hate Valentine's Day party is taking place. Useless. It's all connected. All right. So then the little boy professes his love for Jennifer Garner. And she's like, well, what about that girl who's your age from your class? You're friends, but maybe that could turn into love. And this helps her realize that maybe the person she has loved all along is her best friend, Ashton Kutcher. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) And then this is when we start to get some, you know, tying up of these storylines where Emma Roberts realizes she's not ready to have sex yet. And she tells her boyfriend and he's like, that's okay. We can still make out. And then they kiss. Amazing journey that they've been on. (laughs) (laughs) Then Julia Roberts and Bradley Cooper's plane lands in L.A., He gives her access to his private car so that she can spend extra time with her loved one, who he assumes is her husband, but it ends up being her son, the little boy who loves Jennifer Garner. Wow. Whoa. I do feel like they bury the lead on that big time where they talk about her as if she is like dead. Yes, they do. At the beginning. The twist is she's not dead. She's Julia Roberts. And she's in the military She's Navy SEALs Julia Roberts. I really, I'm just like, she is getting back from doing something so... Evil. Catastrophically evil. Yes. But her son is so big. That's She just ends with like, you're so big, you're so big. <laughs> Anyways, goodbye to those characters. Yes, goodbye to them. Then we find out that the person Bradley Cooper is going to see is Eric Dane <gasps> because they're together. Or they were, but they broke up. But then Bradley Cooper saw him coming out publicly and he's proud of him. So then they get back together, question mark. But again, the timeline on that does not work out at all because we are led to believe that the Eric Dane character comes out 
while Bradley Cooper is already on the plane. For sure. That Yeah, 100% that's what happened. So... How did he know? Where was he going? How did he know? <laughs> he was like, if you don't come out on national television on Valentine's Day, I'm dumping your ass. And I'm going to get a flight to L.A. just in case that does happen. And like, what was his job and why was he 14 hours away by plane? Mm -hmm. I think he was also doing war crimes because he has a lot of money. I don't know. I think he's like an oil executive or he's something like really quite evil. Yeah. But anyways, they're gay and they're going to play. And <laughs> then it cuts away in a very 2010 move. It's like, oh, wow, two gay characters. They can't kiss. They can just yeah. be near each other. They can lightly embrace but that's it. Yeah. Uh, representation <sighs> win. <laughs> God, I can't get that line out of my mind. It's so funny. It's poetry is what it is. Uh, okay. Then Topher Grace goes to Anne Hathaway and they make up. I'm going to gloss over this because I want to talk about it later in the discussion. Yeah. Disaster. <laughs> Truly. She should dump him. Seriously. Then Jamie Foxx and Jessica Biel get together in what I feel might be the most contrived storyline of them all. But they're kissing now. Yeah, they're kissing in front of a green screen. <laughs> and then Jennifer Garner goes to Ashton Kutcher being like, hey, maybe we're in love. And then they kiss and it's awkward. And they're like, I don't know, but I don't Maybe we can make this work. And that's how the movie ends. Oh, and then one more shot of the Horcrux bear. <laughs> <laughs> we mustn't forget. Taylor Swift is in an elevator and I think half of, she's in four scenes. Two scenes, she's in front of the school, she's at the football field, and then she's in the elevator two times. Her first scene is so funny because she's just like talking to Jennifer Garner and being mm -hmm. annoying, question mark. Yeah. We'll get there. Anyways, that's the movie. And then a thousand bloopers yeah and then it's finally over it's finally over after two hours let's take another break and we'll come back to discuss tired of spills and stains on your sofa wash away your worries with anabay anabay the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices that's right sofas from only 639 dollars Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. What does it take to run a small business? Heart, smarts, and the nerve to risk it all in the face of adversity. Listen to The Unshakables, the new podcast now available from Chase for Business and iHeart. It features real stories from real small business owners who take you through the turmoil, triumphs, and quick turns that help their businesses break through. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company. 
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And we're back. Today was a fairy tale. There's also like original Taylor Swift song to go with it. That's true. This movie was so successful. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that it got a lot of money at the box office. It had a $52 million budget. It grossed $216 million Yes, at the box office. A critical flop, though. Oh, I mean, it goes without saying. This whole era of not even just Gary Marshall, just this format, because it's like he's just not that into you. Same same deal but when it's a drama like crash then it wins an oscar for some reason even though that movie is pee pee poo poo i was saying we just recorded our burlesque episode and i confess that i sometimes mix up stanley tucci and alan cumming for a Mm. similar baffling i often mix up the movie crash and sideways so I've been avoiding watching Sideways for years for apparently no reason. I guess it's a good movie. And I thought it was Crash, which is a bad movie. Uh-huh. But I just was like, I don't want to. I I don't know. Well, anyway, let's talk about Valentine's Day. Jesus Christ. Okay. Didn't <laughs> like my little story. Uh, <laughs> all right. Don't know. No, no, no. Who do you want to talk about first? Well, I guess I just want to make a broad statement that Mm -hmm. in an ensemble movie like this where there are literally dozens of characters it is very very easy to have an incredibly diverse cast but this does not happen the movie doesn't do that it largely centers white straight cis able-bodied people who are traditionally attractive by western beauty standards yeah the characters who are not white generally don't have the same love stories. I think the only characters that have actual love stories are J.B. Fox. Right. I mean, for example, George Lopez is there to uplift Ashton Kutcher's character. He does have sort of, but it's not a love storyline. No. It's just a scene where he kisses his wife for two seconds. And it's also so scary because they don't let her speak. And I was like, right. what is, it's really giving like decoy wife yeah it doesn't work like you're saying he's just there to read roomy poetry to ashton kutcher yeah and the same with like queen latifah is very much like a supporting character Mm -hmm. comic relief who does not get even an attempted storyline no amongst other things that are off about that character but yeah for Mm -hmm. the most part it's like overwhelmingly like we're looking at white and white passing couples who are 
bad for each other. Yeah, for sure. There is one queer couple. It's true. And it feels as though the writer of the movie, who is named Catherine Fugate, she also yes. wrote New Year's Eve, if I'm not mistaken. She did. She also wrote a Julia Stiles movie I've never seen, but I know is a kind of a millennial movie called The Prince and Me. Haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. I vaguely remember that. It feels like it's just like, oh, we have a quota to fill. We need one gay couple so that everyone will shut up about there not being enough queer representation. Well, it's really telling that the fact that there has been a gay couple in the movie the whole time is like a twist at the very end of the exactly. movie. Like the twist, Bradley Cooper is gay because you're supposed to, I think, you're supposed to think the whole time that he's going to end up with Julia Roberts. For sure. Because... In movies like this, if you're sitting next to each other, you have to get married. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But not the case here. Instead, right. all of the scenes between him and Julia Roberts are incredibly weird because they're talking around this trope of if you sit next to each other, you have to get married. And then right. they're like, surprise, he's gay. The end. That's framed as a twist. Also, Eric Dane being gay is set up as another big reveal where rather yes. than the audience learning that he's gay early on and then like we see him decide whether or not to come out publicly because that would be a major choice especially for an American football player where like that's an extremely homophobic organization and you know yeah. just, right like it still is but we don't see that him coming out is treated like a big twist Right. And it seems like it only happens to set up a string of homophobic jokes that Jamie Foxx will make later on during his sports journalism broadcast. And it's like the fact that the jokes are framed within the movie as like good natured and like ultimately he's supportive, but mm -hmm. he's just going to say a bunch of homophobic stuff on TV and then be like, ah, oh, just kidding, buddy. I support you. You're just like, ugh. it's so, so dated in the way that the only queer couple in the movie, which is like, this movie is so weirdly written that everything was surprising to me because it wasn't actually set up in any way. So you're like, oh, okay, I guess Julia Roberts is alive and that kid's mom. Uh huh. Yeah, no, I thought the entire, I mean, it was a very 2010 attempt to include a gay character. But yeah, every plot point is like, surprise, surprise, he's gay. And we don't see them together for most of the movie. There's just like one no. 10 second moment at the end where they lightly embrace. Again, they're not allowed to kiss because heaven forbid we had queer characters kissing on screen in a movie in 2010. Which is like a conversation that was at least extend to like 2017 with like Josh Gad being like a huge win for queer representation. I slow danced with a man in the background of a scene in Beauty and the Beast. Right. And you're just like, get out of here, Josh Gad. <laughs> Anyways. Also, as we discussed, Bradley Cooper keeps talking to Julie Roberts being like, wow, that guy that you're in love with romantically who you're going to go visit for one day. What a lucky guy. And oh my gosh, wow. Why doesn't she just correct him? Why doesn't she correct him? And it's also just weird that... So he's like seemingly making an assumption that she's seeing a romantic partner. It doesn't make any sense that one of the few queer characters in the movie would be making such a heteronormative assumption. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't track to me. The whole thing doesn't make sense. Unless I'm like, 
I guess we don't technically know if that character is closeted, although I, we're led to believe that he isn't based on how he reacts to like his partner coming out. Cause I feel like the vibe is supposed to be like, now we can be together. Right. But I don't know. Is he like an out oil executive? We know nothing about him. <laughs> I guess that that is the job I projected onto him, but I do think I'm right for some reason. I mean, he has enough money to have a private limo, pick him up from the airport and take him anywhere he wants to go. The trouble is we don't know enough about, him or his relationship with Eric Dane, we have to project all this stuff onto him because the movie doesn't care enough about, I mean, any of the characters, but especially this queer couple. Yeah, it's like it always feels pronounced in the one relationship out of 40 that is a queer relationship. And it's like, I don't know, outside of existing, it's not doing anything. It's also, this is just a general observation. This movie like really goes willy nilly on like who gets a last name and who doesn't. There's really no rhyme or reason. Mm-hmm. Half the characters have full names. Half the characters don't. Jessica Alba is Morley Clarkson, <laughs> whereas Bradley Cooper is Holden. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer Garner is Julia Fitzpatrick, whereas Topher Grace is Jason. Hmm. We don't know. I liked that. <laughs> That's a compliment I'm going to give. <laughs> it's just like brain dead you know yes so that's one relationship that is horrible I mean I just wanted to sort of talk about the overall just very like of the time 2010 racism that's present in this movie at every opportunity I think you have what we were talking about earlier which is that the non-white characters that are there generally don't get the exhausting love story that we get for most of the white characters in the story and then there's like stuff that's even more aggressive like the character who works at the florist shop and Mm -hmm. the family that runs the Indian restaurant it's just like so 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 heavily stereotyped that it feels like yes egregious for 2010 like it feels like it's like 1982 egregious movie racism for sure This movie is obsessed with jokes that are at the expense of people who don't speak English as their first language. There are a number of jokes to that effect. There's stereotypes about Latinx people in LA. We see the like George Lopez's cousin in his car. And that's hilarious because Ashton Kutcher drives in the car and it's all very tropey. Then there's an Asian character that works at the floral shop. We don't even know where. It's just like a general stereotyped Asian racist character. Like the the movie doesn't give us enough information to even... It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. What happens there is Jamie Foxx is interviewing him. Oh, I'm thinking of another character. So there's another character where Jamie Foxx is interviewing (laughs) a man who works at like the flower market where floral shop owners go oh sorry yes but there is someone who also works at the place. yes right 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 right. so it's just racism all over the place and i know we have to reference it it just feels depressing to even give it airtime the character who works at ashton kutcher's flower world or fucking whatever it's another uh-huh. fake ass name where it's like santa flowers or i don't <laughs> even know like uh-huh. something ridiculous but the character who works at The flower shop is subjected to the same lazy joke about like, why don't you speak English? He's like yelling at a Bulgarian woman for Mm -hmm, it's like, mm -hmm. I had to learn English 
so do you. And then Ashton Kutcher joins in on the fun. And then also he's subjected to like homophobic tropes too, where I feel like he's heavily queer coded and he's saying mm-hmm. that he knows every dressmaker in Las Vegas. Right. And then anyways, you never see him again. True. Yeah. A lot of the humor of this movie or attempts at humor and comedy come from just relying on stereotypes, harmful, reductive yeah. stereotypes. Yeah. And, and like a huge chunk of the movie takes place at an Indian restaurant. The only character that we really get to know ish is the child who is friends with Julia Roberts son question mark mm-hmm. we know that she likes Frank Zappa I don't know why we know that but we are told that <laughs> we are told that and there's just a, a lot of heavy heavy stereotyping I don't even want to like yeah it's it's bad it's bad on top of that as we mentioned again there's so many opportunities for this to be a far more diverse cast based solely on just the number of characters but we see very little diversity in every regard there's no body diversity especially for the characters who are afforded a romantic storyline yeah none of those characters are fat none of those characters are disabled there are no trans or gender queer characters right which is not shocking for the time this came out but i will say like right on top of being just like grossly negligent in any interest in any diversity in your cast i feel like we end up talking about this every time we cover a movie like this it also makes the movie really confusing to watch because it's a lot of like white women with straight brown hair and you're just like you know it's not even a dig to the actors but there was a few moments where I was like wait did that happen to Anne Hathaway's character or Jennifer Garner's character like Mm -hmm. they have the same hairstyle everyone's the same age it is really confusing certainly and also because it's like impossible to get invested or root for any of these couples that you're just like who is this who is anybody There is one couple who are seniors in Shirley MacLaine and Hector Elizondo. I was surprised because older people's romantic life is rarely included in movies. It is a story about people who are already together rather than like an older person meeting another older person and finding love. That is something that's largely ignored and rarely shown on screen. Until the Jane Fonda essence of the last uh-huh. five to well, ten years. Yes. So it's like those movies do exist. But yeah, this movie has no interest in it. I was sort of I was back and forth on that because it's all nonsense. Right. But you're like, at least they were given a genuine conflict. Like it wasn't just yeah. like we're old because I feel like sometimes, you know, like grandparent characters are just there for comic relief or just like for sure, especially in these kinds of comedies. I mean, and also it would just be really insulting to those two like really successful actors to give them nothing so they're given a, a solid conflict but that it like also it doesn't go anywhere because then she just shows up in a cape and she's like you have to forgive me and he's like oh okay all right <laughs> and then they're back together yes whatever so that one is bad uh we have who else do we have we have jamie fox and jessica beale Mm-hmm. This couple, I agree. I mean, they're all so flimsy, but these yeah. two are really, f- I guess they do. I will say they have more in common than some of the couples. I'm happier for them than I am for Topher Grace and Anne Hathaway. Oh they both gosh. like sports and they hate Valentine's Day. 
I think they're going to make it. That is true. Is that the basis for a relationship? Well, we just well, see them kiss. We don't know what happens after that. But I mean, the bottom line in a movie like this is fine. An ensemble cast with vignettes, it can work, but you need fewer characters, basically, to allow any of them to have any real depth or characterization. But instead, there's 48 million characters in this movie. And so they're all completely glossed over and given very little characterization, very little context. Yeah. The nature of the relationships is super glossed over. Right. It's all messy. But this one feels especially vague and like really i guess it didn't stick out to be as vaguer than the other ones <laughs> that's true but i just i think i was so actively it's like one of the only interracial couples in the movie and then outside of that i was like yeah they basically have nothing in common and the actors have no chemistry but like which actors in this movie do? Do that's very true. I feel like an equal opportunity fucking sucked. I don't know. <laughs> I should have ranked the couples in order of how little I was rooting for them. I feel like they are in the upper 50 percentile for me because at least they hate Valentine's Day and love sport. That is more context than we get for a lot of the couples. It's true. I would say the storyline that I simultaneously hated the most and the least, Ooh. for reasons I'll explain right now, okay. was the Topher Grace and Anne Hathaway story. Oh, that one is brutal. I also just wanted to quickly say, because this movie bears a lot of resemblance to He's Just Not That Into You, two of the same story by credits go to Catherine Fugate and then Abby Cohn and Mark Silverstein, who also wrote He's Just Not That Into You. Uh-huh. So it's all the same it's all the same movie. It truly is. Okay, so the Topher Grace and Hathaway storyline, the beats are that they've been dating for a couple weeks. He does not know at first that she works part-time as an adult phone entertainer. He finds out he doesn't like it, and he breaks up with her because of it. Then he realizes his mistake after hearing other characters talk about how when you love someone, you have to love all of them, even their gross parts. And so he shows up at Anne Hathaway's apartment to try to win her back. And ultimately it works. The reason I like it, or I like kind of what happens here is based on a few lines of dialogue where Anne Hathaway says, I feel bad about how you found out about my job. That was awkward, but that's the only thing I'm going to apologize for. Right. Implying that she's not going to apologize for doing phone sex work, nor is she going to stop. But the big problem is that she then forgives him. I don't under because they've been dating for two weeks right get out of there <laughs> yeah you have an easy out he's not a tolerant person get out of there. no he's not and she says that like she says when you found out something about me that you didn't like you judged me and bailed and that's not a promising foundation for a relationship I feel like that's the most meaningful analysis we get of romance in the entire movie that's otherwise about absolutely nothing. Right. But that was why I think uh, this is the relationship I kind of hate the most because it's like it gets so close to saying something. But then in the like next two seconds, it undercuts that completely. It's just like, yes. but I forgive you and I want to make love to my boyfriend. I was like, you guys have been together for two weeks, <laughs> two weeks. Well, the reason I hate it so much is because of the implication that he only decides to get back together with her after learning that when you love someone, you have to love the gross parts about them, implying 
that her doing sex work is one of the gross things about her that he has to learn to love. Right. So the whole thing (laughs) just sucks. And then on top of that, I was also frustrated by the implication that, I mean, this felt less actively like I don't think that the writers were like actively trying to imply this but because the cultural dismissal of sex work is so prevalent that when Anne Hathaway introduces this information first of all like she's hiding it from people because she doesn't want to be judged Mm -hmm. which makes sense to me to the extent that like society is very hostile towards sex workers but it also is implied that she is ashamed of it And the only reason that she's doing it is because she's in debt, which can be true. But again, it just felt like a very underthought, like, well, the only reason that we are rooting for this character is because she doesn't actually want to do this forever. Like she just wants to do it until she's out of debt and then she'll stop and get a quote unquote regular job, which Mm -hmm. it did seem like what the implication was, was like, I appreciated that she was unapologetic about it and that she was like, I'm going to keep doing it. Like, fuck you. I need this job but I feel like it also is like but as soon as I don't have to do it I will not because it's I don't know it just felt like a very like no I I got that too yeah and then she says one of the worst lines in the movie uh, which is sugar can't answer the phone right now she's got to make love to her boyfriend on Valentine's Day which literally turned my stomach he also so her the thing she's doing in bed at the beginning is taking the scary Polaroids he's kept them and turns them into a murderer card and like tapes them all on a piece of construction paper like a six-year-old and is like take me back and i'm just like he's gotta go he's gotta go get him out all of these people have to go yeah i'm rooting for anne hathaway's character i do think that she needs to find another room at queen latifah sports agency to take the calls okay not only is she taking the calls at her other job which like whatever i've definitely worked yeah one job while i was at my other job yeah but you gotta be smooth about it you gotta be smooth about it and she's not only taking those calls at this office where she works but she's using the office phone a lot of the time and not her private cell phone and it also is like sort of lightly implied that queen latifah is like picking up and listening (laughs) listening (laughs) Where you're just like, what? Queen Latifah's character, not only, I mean, we already discussed the fact that, I mean, as with many of the non-white characters in this movie, she there is no suggestion or interest in giving her a storyline. I believe she's the only black woman in the movie. Yeah. And they give her nothing. Uh, what they do give her is really... Oh. Weird. She, yeah, she makes a very dated comment about bipolar in her first line. And then uh-huh. everything she says is just kind of like vaguely like girl boss soup talk where she's like, I have to business. My football is gay. Like, you're just <laughs> like, what? Also, the thing that they have her say toward the end of the movie when she picks up a phone call that's intended for Anne Hathaway because it's another phone sex call. Queen Latifah assumes the role of adult phone entertainer and then says something just very racially charged and just 
icky and I felt so embarrassed that Queen Latifah had to do that. <laughs> and that like three white writers put that together. Yeah. I just pray to God that that was like bad improv on her part oh. and like not I don't know. Yeah, that was she's given simply nothing to do. I'm like Mm-mm. she's I don't know, but I mean if you look at everyone in this movie, the like Queen Latifah at this point is Oscar nominated. Jamie Foxx has an Oscar, no idea. Like did he want a boat? We don't know. <laughs> Who knows why anyone is here? Who else is there? I guess, oh, Jennifer Garner, Ashton Kutcher. I feel like some of these storylines aren't even worth, like... (laughs) I kind of feel like I have nothing to say about that. Right. A lot of my comments are just sort of broader in the sense that, like... For example, the way class is handled in this movie, every character seems to be middle class, upper middle class. Yeah. There's no romance shown between two poor people. That's another thing that's rarely seen in movies in general. Or if there is a poor person who falls in love, it's almost always them getting with a rich person, a la Titanic, a la Pretty Woman. It's true. Stories like that. But very rarely do we see a romantic storyline between two characters who are poor and stay poor. No, that's just like, that didn't even occur to me because we've covered so many movies like this where you're like, yeah, I would have been truly shocked if that had happened. The whole movie seems to take place like in West LA. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's such a bummer. And then the other thing is like this, and I get that this is, a movie about Valentine's Day, which centers on romantic love. So it's going to be stories that focus on romantic love, but it's also a very narrow view of romantic love. Mm -hmm. Again, like it would have been very shocking if a movie in 2010 would have included anything that wasn't, you know, a cis hetero monogamous love story, but like, I guess I just want to see more stories where there are romantic storylines between polyamorous people kink stuff yeah where were the furries where were the furries where are the people who are just kind of dating casually and who just want a fling or a one night stand or friends with benefits like all of these stories are about people who are in very serious committed relationships or like falling deeply in love and you know stuff like that that was a thought that i had about the jessica beale yeah like these are all super monogamous relationships and i feel like there was basically no public discourse about anything other than monogamous relationships when this movie came out For but sure. it's like it, it is pretty bleak that like the way jessica Biel's character is acting which is like she's like ready for death's sweet embrace is like a more plausible character than someone who's dating casually (laughs) like it's just like really depressing that this person who doesn't exist is put there instead of someone who you know very much existed in 2010 like Mm -hmm. it's yeah but this movie is basically like hallmark propaganda you know it's like people don't buy christmas ornaments for people they're casually dating so that is useless to gary's goal here i don't know i mean yeah it it is like frustrating but it's also like it's valentine's day 2010 i don't know (laughs) so i will say that this movie does appear to try to subvert some things 
all of these subversions are very surface level. They go nowhere. Nothing very meaningful is said about any of these things. But I did find it, I guess, interesting that, for example, with the Ashton Kutcher, Jessica Alba storyline, it is the man who appears to be a hopeless romantic who's gushing about love and the woman who is the more stoic and not so obsessed with romance. Usually you yeah. see the opposite in movies, especially rom-coms. I felt that too, but that it was also like the way she was talking was so like weird. I wish she had just been like, I don't love you. Cause it seemed like that was the issue because I felt like the undertone of what she was saying was like, I love my career, so I cannot be married. Right. <laughs> but then he's like, no, you can be married and have a career which is really brave of him to say <laughs> well feminist icon ashton kutcher right and he's wearing a pink shirt which is a <gasps> 2010 signifier for male feminists <laughs> but he's like well what do you mean you can have a job and be married to me but then she's sort of instead of saying i don't love you is like no i can't <laughs> you're like oh okay right. well whatever best of luck to her with whatever her job is because of course we don't know what it is she's like of course. the first thing i thought about was my meeting at work and you're like not your meeting at work my meeting at my work job i have expected her to show up at queen latifah industries but that <laughs> was not the way it went for as little as we know about this character i think it is pretty awesome that she has a last name which is Clarkson, Morley Clarkson. Clarkson. Morley Clarkson. Yes. Every rom-com name sounds like your mouth is full when you say it. <laughs> Just full of marbles, yeah. Carol Monahan. <laughs> Another subversion I think is the Shirley MacLaine, Hector Elizondo story, where it's the woman who has the affair. <sighs> I feel like it's more common to see a man cheating on his wife in movies. Yes, and also, it's more common for a man to demand forgiveness and be immediately granted by the other true. character. Very true. So girls could do anything, including <laughs> gaslight their spouse into forgiving them for something pretty awful. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Again, this movie does not have the purview to discuss or examine any of these things meaningfully, but it no. did show something which is the opposite of what you might expect. Yeah. I think the last one would be a hyper-masculine football player is gay and ready to play. Yeah, that I felt like was a genuine attempt at a subversion. And we also talked about the flip side of that, of like the twist is he's gay happens several times mm -hmm. in this movie. I don't know. This movie got nominated for a number of Teen Choice Awards and Razzies. I wanted to single one out because I feel like the Teen Choice Awards and the MTV Movie Awards and all of those, there's always like a real datedness to not even the people nominated, but to the awards themselves. I think that there should be, if there isn't already, there could be a whole like doctoral thesis written about the MTV Award for Best Kiss, mm. where so many, I mean, I covered it in Lolita podcast where like a kiss from Lolita was nominated for best kiss at the MTV oh. movie awards. Like there's just all sorts of shit. But the one that stood out to me is not a, I guess maybe I never watched the teen choice awards. I don't really know, but there is a award for choice movie colon hissy fit. <laughs> this award was given out through 2018. It has since been discontinued which is really brave. Wow. The Me Too movement, you know, it didn't do nothing. It <laughs> killed Teen Choice Award for Choice Hissy Fit. Uh -huh. But 
I just wanted to shout out Jessica Biel was nominated. She did not win choice hissy fit for a scene where she lays on floor. Uh-huh. So I just, I don't know. That was such, and then there's of course, Taylor Swift and Taylor Lautner were nominated for every kissing award there is. And bravely they lost. I'm pretty sure to Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson. Whoa. I know double Taylor Lautner snub brutal. I'm just looking at who's won. I mean, I guess at least the hissy fit award is not just women who are nominated for it, which is sort of what I assumed. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's an inclusive, all genders can have a hissy fit at the teen choice awards. I just want to see who she was up against. Okay. So Miley Cyrus actually won one choice hissy fit two years in a row. Congratulations to her. For what? Hannah Montana? She won for Hannah Montana, the movie in 09, and then she won for the last song, question mark, in 2010. Oh, that's one of those. I think it's a Nicholas Sparks adaptation. That sounds right. She's tied with Madeline Petch of Riverdale for most Hissy Fit Awards won. Okay. So that's exciting. I just wanted to shout out that baffling award. So yeah, Miley Cyrus won. Puff Daddy was also nominated for his Hissy Fit in Get Him to the Greek. Giovanni Ribisi was nominated for his hissy fit in Avatar 1. Oh, yeah. And Vince Vaughn was nominated for his hissy fit in Couples Retreat. Wow. So, you know, when it comes to that now defunct award, I'm sure it was just an honor to be nominated. (laughs) I'll go through the remaining things on my what the fuck list. Sure. We've touched on a few of them. The ones we haven't touched on... The whole scene where that teen boy is naked in front of his girlfriend's mom and then runs out into the street while he's still naked. Mm-hmm. Sure. Emma Roberts tells basically everyone that she comes into contact with that she plans to have sex today for the first time. She tells her teacher. She tells the family she babysits for. People who don't necessarily need to know, but also I'm glad that she feels open Kristen Shaw gets to know Kristen Shaw gets to also speaking of Kristen Shaw don't disrespect her by putting her in the movie and only letting her have two lines also Kathy Bates don't disrespect Kathy Bates like that I see I I disagree I think the less you're in this movie the more you are respected (laughs) fair fair I think Shirley MacLaine is in this movie too much she is too good to be in this movie as much as she is she is too good. What else? Let's see. Jennifer Garner is an elementary school teacher. She's teaching her young students about protons and electrons. They are supposed to be fifth graders, although some of them look like they're seven. Yeah. And then there's also like a kid who knows about the St. Valentine's Day massacre, massacre in Chicago. Chicago, yeah. Which I was like, who told him about that? That's what a pretty cool Either way, I don't think kids start learning about atoms when they're in fifth grade. I was learning about like nimbus clouds in science class. So that's not tracking. I was learning about Valentine's Day and protons in the same class. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what else? Um, During the little kid, the little kid's name is Edison, I think. Whatever. He plays a soccer game. He's distracted because he's so freaking in love with Jennifer Garner. And then... The ref comes up to him to encourage him to keep playing. Not the coach, but the ref. That is not the ref's job. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I don't think the people who wrote this movie understand how a soccer game is played. 
final thing, uh, Anne Hathaway wants to be a poet. So she's working for a sports agent because she says she wants to learn the business as if working for a sports agent is going to help with her poetry career. Uh, she's a mess. You know? <laughs> oh, another line I liked. Call me Mr. Engaged. Sure. There's a moment. This is like an attempted, botched, really confusing joke. It's another offensive thing that happens at the Ashton Kutcher flower world. There's a woman with a baby in front of a nun in line for flowers. Uh-huh. She needs to hand the baby to someone to hold flowers, question mark. Mm-hmm. The nun says, I will hold the baby. She says, you should know we're Jewish. And I was like, well, swing and a miss on that joke. And then, <laughs> and then, wait, but it keeps going though. Cause the nun is like, it's okay. God loves everyone or something. And then the baby claps for the nun's tolerance. Wow. It's really weird. It's really bizarre. I also liked the scene. We mentioned this before, but I, I wrote down some of the lines because Taylor Swift's line reads, bless her heart. They're just not very good. But that scene where she's in the elevator with Jennifer Garter and Taylor Swift is like, I have to go to school. I have a boyfriend. I live here. I hope to get a lot of Valentine's on Valentine's Day. Isn't this sweet that my boyfriend got me this bear? I have to go to school. <laughs> just like she's just talking and talking and talking, and it's like supposed to be a joke, but it also just feels like it was written by AI. <laughs> this whole movie feels like it was maybe written by AI. The one compliment I will pay this movie is mm-hmm. the movie does take the time during the press conference where Eric Dane says, "I'm gay and I'm gonna play." Thank you for saying it. Of course. The movie does take the time to cut away to a sign language interpreter who is signing during Eric Dane's yes, speech. That's and true. I appreciated that because that rarely happens. That's rarely shown on screen. You never see that. In movies. So That's a good point. I was like, wow. Not that that character ever comes back, like no. the sign interpreter. I mean, but I do appreciate that, like, yeah, that that was just like a normalized part of the world. That's a good yes. point. Yes. I also wanted to shout out the actor who plays Ronnie, who is like the love interest of Edison. Mm -hmm. She is now a like very successful working actor. She was in one of my favorite movies to watch on a plane, Missing. Have you seen it? I love a computer movie. I love a movie that happens on the computer. She's Storm Reid's best friend. Is that... The John Cho and Deborah Messing is also there movie? No, Zionist Deborah Messing is not in this movie. This is the new one that came out last year where Gabrielle Union plays a mom who goes missing. The first one is called Searching. This is Missing. Oh. It takes place in the Searching universe. My mistake. I don't know why you would get confused. <laughs> but she's also, she's also in Atypical. She was in Never Have I Ever. And she was in poker face okay okay i feel that i'm too old to watch all of those shows but there's no such thing as being too old for anything if i sure i guess what i'm saying is i probably won't watch those shows but Uh it's nice i feel like it's very rare that you see like a character actor with one scene who goes on to have it seems like a pretty successful career and she's like only in her early Mm mid-20s so shout out to her Noise. And her having Frank Zappa on her iPod or whatever. Yep. Do you have anything else you'd like to say, Jamie? I'd like to say that I'm gay and I'm going to play. <laughs> but that's all I have to say at this time. 
I have an announcement. <laughs> uh, oh. Just it's like the raw conviction with which he says the line is really awesome. And again, I really do think that it's like it is a impactful, like cool thing that that character is included and out in the even though it's unbelievably dated and messy that the movie is like supportive of him yeah and then there's just like that they wrote that line down and that's <laughs> awesome so yeah shout out to eric dane a man whose face i just can never commit to memory yeah the movies he's in this year in 2010 are valentine's day and burlesque this is like a banner year for him being in some of the worst movies of our time just one last thing on his character and admittedly i did zero research on this and i know really nothing about the nfl but oh since that movie came out i think a number of nfl players have mm -hmm. come out as gay and i honestly again because i did no research don't know what the response to that was from the nfl from the general public i simply don't know but I know that this is a thing and maybe I'll research more about it. But because I do not care anything about American football, I didn't yeah. bother. <laughs> I don't think you need to apologize for that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. To the extent that it's like professional football is still unbelievably homophobic. And anyone who does come out is, even if they're accepted by the league, are generally bombarded with hate speech from a lot of professional football yes. fans so i'm reading here that um, a player named carl nasib was the nfl's first openly gay player to play in a regular season game in 2021 so 11 years after this movie came out so i don't want to like not I, as mishandled as it is this plot point was a bit ahead of its time mm-hmm and I also wanted, because I guess if we have Grey's Anatomy fans listening to this, I truly haven't seen an episode, sorry. So apparently Eric Dane is McSteamy to Patrick Dempsey's McDreamy. Uh-huh. So I'm sure that in 2010, people were like, McSteamy and McDreamy in the same... The, 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 the. Anyways, I'm sure it's a great show. I haven't watched it, and I won't. Same. But that is probably a very critical i'm sure that that is like what he was most famous for at this time was being he was four years deep on mcsteamy when he Whoa. was in this movie so there you go there you go i have nothing else to say this movie as we mentioned does pass the bechdel test a few times for example when jennifer garner and jessica beale talk about the i hate valentine's day party yeah, but it quickly derails. Right. It's mostly very small exchanges that are part of larger conversations that don't pass the Bechdel test. Most exchanges in the movie are about hetero love and attraction. It's a lot of men and women talking to each other. It's a lot of women talking to other women about men, but it's also men talking to each other about women, such as when Ashton Kutcher and George Lopez talk about like mushy romantic love right which you don't see very much in movies so i was like okay again would have been helpful if you got to see george lopez's relationship at all until at all in silent montage <laughs> right late in the movie but yeah it is i guess you do have like a lot of people in this movie that are hopeless romantics of all genders right mm -hmm. or of the two genders that this movie recognizes uh <laughs> right and then the same is true in the reverse where it's like you have although it's not quite in the same way where i feel like you don't unless there's so many people maybe i'm wrong about this but i don't think that there's a woman in this movie who is like 
fuck love. You get Jessica Biel being like, I want love so badly that it's ruining my life and I'm laying on the floor, which is quite different. Right. I don't really get Jessica Biel's thing where it's like, I hate Valentine's Day so much, not for any institutional reasons. It's more because I'm so freaking lonely and pathetic. Yeah, it makes no sense. And okay. Oh, I forgot to mention this. When Jennifer Garner is describing her friend who turns out to be Jessica Biel, she's describing her as neurotic and a hot mess. We're like, that's not a nice way to talk about your friend. I know. Yeah, I was like, wow, do you guys like each other? Also, how do you guys know each other? <laughs> how does anybody know each other in this movie? They all go to the same Pilates studio or something. Like, we don't, we're not given the reason. This yeah. movie takes place in space. Like, I don't even know. Yeah. I hope that the couple that got married at the Indian restaurant sued Jessica Biel for making such a loud ass party. <laughs> about how much they hated love directly facing their wedding rude so rude yeah i don't know this it's a funny bad movie like i I would watch this in a group it feels ripe for a drinking game i was just gonna say i would play a drinking game to this movie yeah absolutely but yeah it does technically pass the bechdel test i think it also passes between like Anne Hathaway and Queen Latifah at some point, but their conversation is so bizarre (laughs) that you're like, is this a meaningful exchange of dialogue? Does a meaningful exchange of dialogue exist in this world? Hard to say. But what about our metric, which is important? Our nipple scale, where we rate the movie zero to five nipples based on examining the movie through an intersectional feminist lens. I'm giving it, as I already foreshadowed, negative five nipples. Mm -hmm. The end. I'm going to give it half of one nipple, actually, Mm -hmm. for attempting to include gay characters in 2010, even though they do arguably a not good job. Horrible job. I feel like the fact that there was even an attempt that is is not openly hateful, it's just laden with stereotypes. Mm -hmm. But that's a very, very small comfort. But like, I do think that that is something that most movies in 2010 had no interest in even attempting so true there you go there's that and kind of yucky to everything else did i have fun watching it was i laughing yes i mean i was teeing quite a bit it's fun it's fun to live in a world where george lopez is always outside your door quoting Rumi. <laughs> sure why not Sure. Yeah, so we have half nipple, and I'm going to give it to Megan Suri, who played Ronnie. Oh, nice, nice. If I had to give anything to anyone, it would be Kathy Bates. Oh, yeah, God. But I have no nipples to give. It felt like she that was like community service for her or something. Like, she like <laughs> got a speeding ticket, and then she had to be in Valentine's Day. Um, yes. That should be what famous actors have to do when they like do a parking violation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, listeners, thank you so much for indulging us on this Valentine's Day. Yes, it's true. May your holiday be not as pee-pee-poo-poo as this movie is. Yeah, I honestly, I wouldn't wish the fate of any of these characters on any of you. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. And yeah, Caitlin and I will probably, what, like, drink at your house tonight. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. true traditions tradition baby 
so thanks for listening you can follow us on social media at Bechtelcast. you can subscribe to our patreon aka matreon where we are doing wedding webuary <laughs> so it's a couple wedding related movies just to keep in theme with love we love love, but do we? Go over there to check it out. It's five bucks a month and you also get access to our back catalog of over 150 episodes, if you could believe it. It's a super fun community over there. We have fun over there. We sure do. So yeah, check us out over there. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter. We still sometimes update sometimes. And stay tuned because we have some tour information coming out in the near future. We sure do. Okay, bye. <laughs> The Bechtel Cast is a production of iHeartMedia, hosted by Caitlin Durante and Jamie Loftus, produced by Sophie Lichterman, edited by Mo Laborde. Our theme song was composed by Mike Kaplan, with vocals by Catherine Voskresensky. Our logo and merch is designed by Jamie Loftus, and a special thanks to Aristotle Acevedo. For more information about the podcast, please visit linktree slash Bechtelcast. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around a lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Jamaica and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com.